Welcome back to After the Buzzer Sports Talk, and I'm your host, Aiden Mayer. Alright guys, welcome back for another episode. I know, I know, it's been it's been a while, maybe four days, three, four days, since I've done a podcast. It's been a while, I'm not going to lie. Trying to get back in the swing of things. It's going to be tough to do three episodes this week since it's already Wednesday, but I'm still striving for that goal. Uh, it's just going to come with a little more patience. I don't know how much I can ask for, uh, how much more waiting I can ask from you guys, but I'm still striving for that three episodes a week goal. I still should be able to get at least two this week. But in today's episode, I'm going to be reviewing week five of the NFL. I think there's a lot of takeaways, a lot of things that I want to get to. I think this is the time of season where we start to, you know, realize, all right, what's, you know, real, what's fake, you know, can we really buy into what happened in September? This is where things really start to unfold. So I want to get to that. And then the Bruins, 3-0 and so far. I want to get to their season. I know, I know, I know. I have my NBA top 100 players list. I haven't got to that in a while. I've been busy lately. I'm trying to work on that list. I worked, I worked on it a little bit today. I want to get that whole thing done so that to, to catch any errors or whatnot. And I know also MLB playoffs. I get it. Okay, I, I get it. <laughs> There's a lot to get to. I want to get to the MLB playoffs at some point, but with the round right now, it's like somewhat over the ALDS. It's just like half, only the Yankees are really the only team to move on so far. So it's kind of like in a weird position right now. So I don't want to get to that, but I want to get to a little NHL because we haven't in a while. The NHL season finally started. But first, I am going to get to a complete Week 5 NFL review from every game, so let's get to that. All right, starting with Thursday Night Football. We didn't get to do a Thursday Night Football review. Usually, I like to do Thursday Night Football reviews because it's a game that everyone watched, everyone can relate to because, you know, on a normal Sunday, like Monday Night Football, Sunday Night Football, Thursday Night Football, it's the case. On a you know normal Sunday, 1 o'clock, you know, if you're a Jaguars fan, you didn't go ahead and watch the Chargers game, right? Just, like, throwing that out there. And I know, like, also the fact is, yeah, I already watched it, so I'd rather get a review on a game I didn't watch. But it's one that we can all kind of relate to and I can really dive deeper into because it's the one game. But Seahawks-Rams, Seahawks win this one 30-29. For the Seahawks, I mean, Russell Wilson is an MVP candidate. There's no denying that the three MVP candidates right now are Patrick Mahomes, Russell Wilson, and Christian McCaffrey. I think players like Deshaun Watson can creep their way in there. Uh, you know, other players like that. I think of Watson. I don't think Watson's going to do what he did. I'm going to get to that in a minute. What he did against the Falcons. That Falcons defense is really bad. But I think they're starting to click. This was a confidence booster. They're really starting to click there. A guy like him could get back in the MVP conversation. But Russell Wilson is for real. I mean, this guy, what, 12 touchdowns, no interceptions. He's passed for around, I think, 1,200 yards, which is a very good number. This guy has been really good, 73% completion rate. That throw he made against the, – the throw he made was the catch – you know, throw and catch of the year. That was the most improbable catch since 2017. He eludes the pre- – there wasn't a ton of pressure, but he scrambles out to the, uh, you know, to the left of the pocket – Throws it back at the end zone. It looked like he was throwing it away. Tyler Lockett had about 
0.1 yards of separation. Leans over the you know sideline about 0.1, 0.2 yards of separation. Keeps his toes in bounds. It was a great, you know, it was just, that just shows chemistry. And Russell Wilson's got it. And he does, Russell Wilson's in a situation where he doesn't have a very good O-line. And he has an injury-prone, not very reliable running back core. And his O-line is horrible. His defense overall is solid, though Russell Wilson doesn't have a ton of help. He's got a good coach, good defense. The weapons around him aren't so good on offense, though. And he's been great. I mean, he's showed what, who Russell Wilson is and why he's so underrated. I had him as the fourth-best quarterback in the NFL going into this year. People, Other people on six, seven, which isn't bad. I'm just saying this guy's underrated, and he always has been. Uh, well, at least for the past you know year or so. And he's just showing what he can be. But for the Rams offense, I don't want to say this was a moral victory because Greg Zerline missed that kick and that was just embarrassing. It wasn't a moral victory, but for the offense, it has to be somewhat. This is back-to-back losses for the Rams. Buccaneers, they get embarrassed on defense this game. It was a well-fought game, but they lose. Now all of a sudden, the Rams are 3-2 and and they've got a meeting against an undefeated San Francisco team next week. But this offense really got the ball rolling. Yeah, I know they scored, what, 45 points against the Buccaneers. But, you know, that was the Buccaneers defense. This was a good defense that they were facing in the Seahawks. And you could really just see it click, you know. Yeah, they put up 45 points, and yeah, they looked good. But you didn't really see it click really well, especially in the first half. They got things going early and earlier, and they really started to click. So I was just impressed uh, by that. Then we move over to the Packers versus Cowboys. The Packers winning 34-24. to For the Cowboys, they came back, but it was just too late, right? The Packers got off to a very hot start and killed the Cowboys in that first half. Cowboys regathered in the locker room and came out a little stronger, but it wasn't good enough. Amari Cooper was great. Zeke was very good as well. But Dak Prescott's got to be better. The connection between those other wide receivers have got to be better. And the Dallas Cowboys defense has got to be better. 34 points. Aaron Jones ran all over him. Uh, Rodgers looked pretty good. And that's without Devontae Adams, right? They don't have a very good secondary in Dallas. But no Devontae Adams. He had Mark, you know, Marcus Val- Valdez Scantling. Scatling, whatever you want to say. And he had Geronimo Allison, Jimmy Graham. Like, those are his targets. Without Devontae Adams, that offense... More, I don't want to say one-dimensional because Aaron Rodgers can make those receivers look better, but I, I just don't know what to say. They got embarrassed by a Packers offense that didn't even have Devontae Adams. Solid Packers offense, don't get me wrong. But for the Packers, they are kind of proving a lot of us wrong. There were some people that were very high on the Packers coming in this year, and then there are people like me who thought 7-19. And also... After week one, there are also people like me. I'll admit, I was not a believer of this Packers in this Packers team. They won seven to th- ten to three in the first week. Thursday night football, first game of the year. Personally, when I looked at that, I said, Matt LaFleur and Aaron Rodgers don't look like they're clicking very well. And their defense looks solid against a bad offense. I'm not really gonna buy it too much. Good win. But I'm not, I'm not going to, you know, really buy into this Packers. Really starting to prove us wrong. Beat the Eagles. Beat the Cowboys. So, and the, the, those were both on the road, I believe. 
Uh, well, they didn't beat the Eagles. What am I talking about? They didn't beat the Eagles. They were they lost thirty four to twenty eight. My bad. That's my that's my bad. Sorry. You know this is the time of year where not only things start to unfold, but you start to forget who won which game because now it's just getting to be a little overwhelming, right? So that's my bad. But it was a good fought game against uh, Eagles. D, uh, not a good Eagles defense, but overall as a team, the Packers did pretty well, right? But this was a big win for the Packers to kind of bounce back from that loss and prove they can beat some good teams. Broncos beat the Chargers 20-13. to For the Chargers, I've just said it all year, they're going to regress. Injuries, just overall as a team, I just felt like they were going to regress. I, I, it was Some of it wasn't really an explanation, just the gut feeling. I had them going, I think, eight and eight or nine and seven, and missing the playoffs. Right, they're two and three so far. They just lost to an zero and five, uh, zero and four Broncos team. That's now one and four. For the Chargers, I mean, big name Melvin Gordon. Melvin Gordon was horrible in this first game. Thirty-one rushing yards on twelve carries. That's bad. Austin Eckler, they had a pass to him fifteen times, and he caught fourteen passes. Obviously, it's going to be a high, good, very good ratio because he's a running back. It's short, efficient passes. But Austin Eckler told you this guy's a beast. I really did. But they tried. Melvin Gordon, it, they split the load. So if you had a lot of questions, all right, what's this Melvin Gordon-Austin Eckler situation? How is it going to play out? By the looks of it last week, Melvin Gordon is taking the running plays. Austin Eckler is taking the passing plays. Melvin Gordon still has value in the passing game, and Austin Eckler still has value running the ball. But Melvin Gordon's the better rusher. Austin Eckler's the better player of the backfield. Now, I think Melvin Gordon still got a target or two, and I know Eckler got at least, I want to say, eight touches, six to eight touches. So they still get their fair share, but one's playing a certain role while the other's playing a certain role. And for the Broncos, this is just a team I respect. They are the most respectable one-to-zero win team in the NFL because they have played good, hard-nosed football. They're a tough team. They stick in every single game. I don't know what their exact schedule is, but if you go back, they haven't got blown out. I remember week one was the Raiders. They lost by what? I think it was twenty-four to sixteen. Let me check up the Bronco. Let me check the Broncos schedule for for a second. Ooh, here. Sorry, Brett. Brett. But they've just sticked in every game. I mean, I'll read off the schedule to you. Again, first week they lost twenty-four to sixteen to the Raiders, close game. Second week they lose sixteen to fourteen against the Bears. The Bears make that game-winning field goal. Third week they lose twenty-seven to sixteen to the Packers. They stay within two scores to a Packers team that's looking really good. Twenty-six to twenty-four against the Jaguars, and they beat the Chargers twenty to thirteen. Their biggest loss has been by eleven points. The Broncos stay in these games. They're a respectable team that record-wise hasn't looked good, but they've been much better than their record uh, says. One and four. I mean, this team could easily right now be three and two. I'll give you three and two. Because you're not always going to win every close game. But they're just this close. It's just, for them, less stale quarters and halves. This Broncos team always has that one quarter where they can't get anything going. I really respect their defense. Their defense is very good. The offense needs to pick up the pace and play a full 60 minutes. If that offense can just give you one or two more drives of production, this team could be 3-2. and two. That's the difference for the Denver Broncos team. The Broncos are not going to make the playoffs. The, the odds of that are very slim. But what the Broncos can do is compete. 
They can at least compete in these games. They've shown us that. Their biggest, largest deficit was 11 points. The Broncos can compete in these games. Don't let their record deceive you. They're not a very good team, but they're not that bad either. Don't let the record deceive you. They're going to go up against the Titans next week, and that's going to be a close game. We've seen it. But I'm proud of the Broncos for winning one game. I used to hate the Broncos when they had Peyton Manning because Patriots fan, but I respect them. I do a lot. So uh, just shout out to the Broncos there, I guess. Even though none of them are gonna listen, obviously. But Cardinals, Bengals, Cardinals win 26-23. Not much to take away from this game. The Bengals won, but they didn't show me any. I mean, not the Bengals. The Cardinals won. They didn't show me anything great. It just looked like a bad team beating an even worse team. Like who played? Which bad team was gonna play a little better? The Cardinals played a little better, won by three points. They didn't show me anything impressive. For the Bengals, they're zero in five. And they've had three close games. This is their third close game. I mean, they had the blowout. I wouldn't say blowout, but it was pretty much a blowout loss to the Steelers last week on Monday Night Football. But they've stayed in these games. They had that bad loss to the 49ers too. But like, kind of like the Broncos expect. I don't ex- uh, respect them as much. But for week one, 20-21 loss to the Seahawks. Week two, 41-17 loss to the 49ers. One blowout, one close game. Week three, Bengals lose 21 to 17 against the Buffalo Bills. 27 to 3 loss against the Steelers, 26 to 23 loss against the Cardinals. Kind of like the Broncos, they've stayed in these games, except the Broncos have made these games even closer. And the Broncos are a better team. And they're just a little more respectable. And they didn't get blown out twice. So just things like that. They're similar to the Broncos, except on a lower tier, right? And that, if you get kind of get what I'm saying, but it was just a bad team beating another bad team. Can't really take too much away from this. Panthers beat the Jaguars 34 to 27. I have had high hopes for the Jaguars. 10 and 6 season. Nick Foles goes down. All right, maybe 10 and 6. Oh, Gardner Minshew comes out of nowhere. Gardner Minshew looks really good. Like he's looked like a top five quarterback in the AFC. Or two and three. Not, not where I'm not a Jags fan, but I have high hopes for this team. I did last year too, and they let me down, but I'm sticking with them. Jalen Ramsey wants out. It's drama, but they they're kind of playing through it. Gardner Minshew again. This guy. It's time to get real about Gardner Minshew. It is. It's this guy just shows you those little things that make these very good quarterbacks in the NFL. He's gonna have a career. This guy's going to have a career. Even if Minshew Mania starts to die down, he's just a solid backup quarterback, he's going to have a career. And I hope not. I hope Minshew ends up being... How do you not like Gardner Minshew in this story? I mean, it's great. This guy's got a lot of charisma. I love it. He makes some really great plays and with some pretty limited athletic ability. The mustache, the everything the guy's got. just He's got it all. He's a very likable guy. But for the Panthers, it's basically Christian McCaffrey, right? The Jaguars lost because they couldn't stop Christian McCaffrey. Specifically, the, the run game. McCaffrey just beat the Jacksonville Jaguars. For Kyle Allen, I'm not a big believer, to be honest. I'm, I'm not. You know, it just seems like, you know, what did he face? The Cardinals? I know the Jaguars, but they basically hand it off to Christian McCaffrey. Oh, pass to Christian McCaffrey, and he goes for 80 yards. Like... I'm not a big believer in Kyle Allen. He hasn't really showed me anything like Gardner Minshew has. Kyle Allen, no. 
If you ask me Gardner Minshew or Kyle Allen, which has been a question that's been asked to me once, I go Gardner Minshew every day, twice on Sundays and Thursday and Mondays. I, I just don't – I'm not a big believer in Kyle Allen. I don't think he's horrible. He's shown he's a solid young quarterback, but nothing special. I don't think he's a future starter or anything like that. I do think it's time to potentially move on from Cam Newton, though. I've thought that for since last season. But now people are starting to pick up on that, and people are starting to believe in Kyle Allen. Just not really too sure. I think it's just Christian McCaffrey, and this offensive line has been good too. But for the Jags, the defense just has to kind of come together, stop the run game. stop. They just couldn't stop the bleeding. And this is a game, you know, Panthers versus Jags, you kind of walk into it. All right, pretty low-scoring game, 34-27. to 27. Also, DJ Chark had him on my uh, bench this week in fantasy. Still won by, like, 40 points, though, so. But that was for the past three weeks. Well, the, the two weeks heading into this week in my fantasy league that I actually care about, I made all the right plays. I had not had – I didn't have, like – you know, obviously, if I play, like, let's say, a t- uh, quarterback, I have a quarterback on my bench that scores 14 points, and I have a receiver in my lineup that gets 12 points. I can't, you know, substitute the wide receiver for a quarterback, but I had made all the right plays that I possibly could. I had the best possible lineup every single week. This week, I still won by, like, 40 points, but I, that streak was ruined. I played Mike Williams instead of DJ Chark. Yeah, yeah, that one hurt. But DJ Chark, just, it's time to really take note of him, too. Uh, Eagles versus Jets. The Eagles' defense was very good against a mess of a Jets team. Ten sacks. The Eagles' offense, though, didn't even look that impressive against a very, not very bad defense, but a pretty bad defense. Right? Jordan Howard, I'm so glad the Eagles for these past two weeks have finally figured out how good Jordan Howard is. I told you, he's their best running back. I've said I love Jordan Howard. I think he's their best running back. No, I like Miles Sanders. I even hear Darren Sproles. I'm like, oh my God, this is disgusting me. I was so happy. Week four against the Packers, he goes out and dominates. I was so happy. This week, same thing. He's their main back now, and I'm so happy about it because I think Howard has been their best running back. It's another prediction I was right on. Again, I'm not perfect here. Things I was wrong about. uh, Let's see. What was one player? I guess you could say Sam Darnold, but he played one week against the Bills. Uh, I want to think of like, there's something like a player that I was wrong about. Baker Mayfield. I thought he'd be pretty good. He has stuff like that. But for the the Jets, they're a mess. Le'Veon Bell doesn't look great, but I can't blame it all on Le'Veon Bell. This team has no passing game. The offensive line isn't very good. They're so one-dimensional. All the time, it's Le'Veon Bell, Le'Veon Bell. The defense, it's it's 11 versus 1. And Le'Veon Bell is a very good running back that, that can create his own you know rushes. Like, oh, all of a sudden, he doesn't have great blocking. He can still turn it into a five-yard run here and there. But Le'Veon Bell's a patient runner that waits for the holes. I mean, in Pittsburgh, he had one of the best offensive lines, so we could do that here in New York. They're so one-dimensional. All they do is run the ball. It's so predictable, and they don't have a good offensive line to create those holes for him. Le'Veon struggled, and a little bit of that is on him, but a lot of that's on the Jets. 28-10 to win for the Minnesota Vikings over the New York Giants. Kirk Cousins looked very good. Got a call from Donald Trump. That's how good he looked, but I'm not buying into it. I've seen this story play out a million times where Kirk Cousins plays really bad against these 
bad, I mean, really good against these bad teams, and then he gets a real opponent and craps his pants. It happens every time. I'm not buying into it until he beats a few good teams in a row or close to it. You know, it's structured time. He beats a few good teams. It just hasn't happened yet. Yay, Kirk Cousins had a good game. I'm totally ignoring it. Uh, nice little win for the Vikings to kind of get them back on track uh, before a big Philadelphia matchup, but I'm not buying into it. For the Giants, Daniel Jones, the hype really starting to simmer down. Uh, he struggled this week against a very good Vikings defense, uh, but I think it's going to happen. He's a rookie quarterback. He's going to have his ups and downs. That Buccaneers defense, very, very easy. Redskins, a little harder. Now it's getting even harder. You know, he's kind of going up level, 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 and Daniel Jones struggled. I mean, there's stuff to take away from it, the poise that he showed. I, I think Pat Shermer said that, too. He saw toughness and poise. He he struggled. He threw an interception. He should have probably thrown a little few more when you go and look at the tape. There are a few that could have been picked off, too. He was sacked four times. But he threw – there were there were things – there were positives to take away overall. Just It was not a very good game for Danny Dimes. But he shows that poise. He shows that toughness. He's a rookie quarterback. I still believe in Daniel Jones to be at least so much all. I'm not going to like – I really liked him when I saw what he did in the preseason against the Bucs. I'm not going to give up on that because of one bad week against a good defense. He's a rookie quarterback. It's going to happen. Raiders upset the Bears in London 24-21. to Josh Jacobs, that was incredible. He was the piece, centerpiece around the Khalil Mack trade. The Bears sent their first-round pick to Oakland for Khalil Mack, which ended up being the 24th pick, which they picked to select Josh Jacobs, and Jacobs went off. He had two touchdowns, including the game winner. And Khalil Mack, against his former team, was kind of shut down. He did have a fumble recovery and three tackles, but he just could not get to Derek Carr. He just couldn't. It just wasn't going to happen. Josh Jacobs, I played him in fantasy, and I was just kind of uneasy about it. I was like, he's facing the Bears, like... You know, whatever, I'm going to roll. I got to roll out with him this week. I had a few guys on the bye, and he went off. Because the thing about Jacobs was he had that first week that was really good, and then the second week he kind of slowed down. I think it was the second or third week he was sick. And then fourth week he was eh. He's been like average. He just kind of goes off against these good defenses. So I don't know what it is. I want to see a little more consistency out of Josh Jacobs, but maybe this is that game that keeps it going. Maybe he'll kind of keep it going for two straight weeks here. But for the Bears, the defense is good. The offense is just weighing them down so much. Chase Daniel just did not look very good in this game, if you want the truth. He can be good in these kind of like injury, you know, not injury, but like relief situations, I guess you would say. But even with, with Chase Daniel or Mitch Trubisky, this offense is just no good. The Bears have to kind of consider this offseason getting a new quarterback. But the thing with the Bears is even if they struggle this year, there's still new life. you still got a great defense, a lot of young guys there. Tariq Cohen, you've still got you've got a good running back core, Tariq Cohen, David Montgomery. Montgomery's been overrated, though. He hasn't been as good as people thought. Matt Nagy's a smart coach. Allen Robinson, I mean, you've got at least an A piece in that wide receiver core. The offensive line's not horrible. They just need to reconstruct the offense. If they can at least... Fill in most of those gaps. Maybe fill in one gap here at the trade deadline. Maybe a few through free agency in the draft. That's where they just need to upgrade. Get a little better offensively. And it may be parting ways with Mitchell Trubisky. 
or getting a new guy and kind of pushing Mitchell Trubisky. I don't know, but he has not looked good. Him or Chase Daniel. I know Mitchell Trubisky didn't play last week, but him or Chase Daniel just haven't looked good. Uh, Steelers versus Ravens. The Ravens, not an impressive win. Justin Tucker bailed you out. He's the best kicker in the league. Lamar Jackson, three picks. He didn't look very good. It was an underrated Steelers defense he was facing. I think they're pretty good, but he still struggled a lot. The hype on him is starting to really go down. And the Ravens defense didn't even look, didn't really impress me either. Justin Tucker bailed him out. Not a very impressive win for the Ravens. For the Steelers, yeah, they're in trouble. You've got one win and you're onto your third string quarterback. In Devlin Hodges, who was a practice squad player at the beginning of the year, we called him up due to these injuries. Joshua Dobbs was a solid third-string quarterback that knew the system because he has been here for so long. He was a likable Steelers player that everyone in Pittsburgh kind of knew. Boy, do they wish they didn't flip him for, what, like a sixth-round pick to Jacksonville? I'm sure they wish they held on to him. Because that's a guy who had been like marinating in, in your system for so long. A likable guy who knows the system. Solid third-string quarterback. And you're just saying, well, we haven't really used them. We don't really need them. And then you're starting, you know, your first and second-string quarterbacks go down with an injury. And all of a sudden, you're like, oh, come on. We waited all that time. You know, you, know, you wait for that steak to marinate. Marinated pretty well. You kind of look around. We don't really need the steak. You sell it. And all of a sudden, you're like, oh. I'd rather have him back than this $5 bill I'm left with, you know. But it's not, I think the Steelers season's kind of over at this point, unfortunately. But with or without Joshua Dobbs. But for the Steelers, I just think, gotta just play through it, I guess. You get, I loved, I think the thing I, I wouldn't say love, but I liked was the connection with Juju. Find him the ball. He is your playmaker. Right, get him the ball more. And this was the week where Mason Rudolph finally starts really targeting Juju and then he goes down with an injury. So now you've got to kind of rework your way back and do the same thing with Devlin Hodges now. Moving on, Patriots versus Redskins. The Patriots kill the Redskins 33 to 7. Uh the Patriots kind of struggled in that first half. I'm not even gonna lie. Redskins jump up 7-0 lead with uh Steve Sims, I think was his name. I don't even know some fourth-string practice squad running back. But the Patriots kind of struggled. Tom Brady throws a pick in the red zone. But then all of a sudden, they start really pounding the ball. Though Sony Michelle kind of opens up the offense, and then they just look dominant. For the Redskins, they're a mess, especially offensively. I don't think their defense is horrible. I think they're underrated. Guys like Lane Collins, Ryan Kerrigan, very good players. I think they've got an underrated defense. The offense is a mess, though. They have no one at quarterback. Alex Smith's on the pup list. He physically is unable un, and unable to perform. Like, there's no way he's going to play. Colt McCoy, you saw, you know, Colt McCoy, if it were up to me, I'd roll out with Colt McCoy again. Case Keenum looks like an absolute mess. He wasn't bad those first two weeks, but ever since then, he's looked really bad. And I'm not starting Dwayne Haskins because he's just not ready. He is a deer in the headlights. The only way I'd start Dwayne Haskins, the only case for starting Dwayne Haskins is facing Miami. But you know what I'd do? Roll out with Colt McCoy or Case Keenum, gain that comfortable lead against Miami, and then throw Dwayne Haskins out there. Because if you lose to Miami, your organization, just that's not a good look. Like, you're just not that... The Redskins aren't the type of team that can roll out with their backup quarterback and feel comfortable. They can't even feel comfortable with their starting quarterback. So, go with the best option. 
gain a comfortable lead, then give Dwayne Haskins that reps, those reps against a very easy defense. Uh, it's that simple. That's that's my case for it. Uh, I don't know what else to say. Yeah, that just got awkward. You heard that scream. Yeah, I know. That That's why I kind of paused there. But that's all I have to say on the quarterback situation. They're a mess. Also, the run game, they can't establish a run game. Their offensive line just bad, right? Terry McLaurin is the only thing that's really, like, I guess you could say impressed me about this offense. That's about it. He's been good. Other than that, I don't know. I just, and they fired Jay Gruden. So, just a bad look in Washington. This is a team that's supposed to have some cupcake schedule. And I know that hasn't really kicked in yet. It kicks in next week with Miami. But no wins yet. Like, Case Keenum was someone I kind of overrated throughout those first two weeks, too. I'll throw that out there. But Buffalo beats Tennessee 14-7. to The Bills offense... Uh, yeah, it's the Bills' offense. They're facing a pretty good Titans defense. It's clear the Bills' defense is what's going to win them these games. It's that simple. I think we can all kind of tell by now. But the Bills are just winning these close games, right? What are they, 4-1 and one now? Uh, you had that close game to Cincinnati even. So, they, you know, they're going from close games to New England, close losses to New England, from close wins to Cincinnati. And that was from a week-to-week thing. Week three, they faced Cincinnati and barely won by four points, and then they lost to New England by six the next week. So they're just in these close games, and they're winning them. They're like the Denver Broncos, exactly like the Denver Broncos, a respectable, older, defensive-minded team that keeps these games close, except the Bills are winning them, and the Broncos are losing them, and I'll admit the Bills are a little better than the Broncos overall as a team. The Bills just have to get things rolling a little more offensively. The defense is great. The defense could – this is how easy the NFL is. I wouldn't say that. But, like, the AFC, it's so wide open behind the Chiefs and the Patriots that the Buffalo Bills defense, which, no disrespect, they're very good, top five, is so good and the AFC is so wide open that their defense could plow this offense all the way to the playoffs. They could take them on their back, plow through the schedule – Maybe get a nine and seven or a ten and six record, and make a wild card. They're not going to beat out the Patriots for the division, especially after that loss. That was their chance right there. And I wouldn't say they blew it because they still pretty played a pretty good game for the Titans. Just there's something not there. Like the Titans are just that team that just scrapes out wins. That doesn't look that good. That's super mediocre. But at the end of the year, they're kind of like the Panthers. So that team that's got a little bit of talent. You know, they've got talent here and there. They're, you know, a nice little team, but they're just mediocre. They don't even look that good. But somehow at the end of the year, they've got like an 8-8 eight and eight record. Or they're close. You know, they're in the playoff hunt. It's just like they hang in there. Uh, but they, for them, the offensive line has to be a lot better. They've got to get Delaney Walker the ball more. You saw what Delaney Walker did in week one. Listen, I knew he wouldn't continue that the whole season, but he's got two catches in the past two weeks. They need to get Delaney Walker the ball. I, I'm not saying force feed him. He's not that good, but definitely try to get Delaney Walker the ball a little more, and the defense has to be better. Texans, 53 points against the Falcons, who scored 32. It's time to move on from Dan Quinn. It's just about that time. This is a Falcons team that's now 1-4. I had high hopes for this Falcons team. It's just not clicking. The offense overall isn't even clicking, but they're putting points on the board. The run game hasn't been there. The offensive line hasn't, but that air attack is just so good with Matt Ryan 
in Julio Jones, Austin Hooper's been great, Calvin Ridley, Muhammad Sanu. They've their air attacks awesome, but they've got a bad head coach. They've got a bad run game, bad offensive line, horrible defense. The Falcons, it might be too late to stop the bleeding. They're just an ugly team that just can't figure it out. It's time to fire Dan Quinn. It is time. It's time. Right now, put the hammer down. Jay Gruden was just fired. It's a good time. After you just let up 53 points. This defense is atrocious. Someone needs to get through to them. It's just bad. It is bad in Atlanta. And I thought that after they beat the Eagles, I could kind of believe in them again. And they just... Never after that game was like one good game, yay, we can celebrate. And they're gonna they're not gonna finish the season one and fifteen. They're gonna win some more games here, but I just don't the kind of like the Steelers are in that one and four position. Not really like the Steelers, though, because the Steelers have suffered injuries. This team hasn't. This team has just sucked. It's as simple as that. And then the Texans, Will Fuller was great. I love Will Fuller. I've said that. Deshaun Watson too. Again, I think they're starting to click. But I'm not going to read too much into it because this Falcons defense is horrible. Then we move over Saints beating the Buccaneers 31-24. to Teddy Bridgewater and the Saints continue to prove that, I guess, Drew Brees makes their team better, but they're not a team that ride, is ride or die by their quarterback. They showed that this team has a lot of other, you know, they have a lot, they're all a well-rounded team that can win without their starting quarterback. And that insurance you know you paid seven million you bit the bullet and paid seven million dollars for a backup quarterback and it has paid off Teddy Bridgewater is checked down Teddy he opened up a little bit this week against a bad Bucks defense but he's been for the most part checked down Teddy but it was a good investment he's one of the best backups in the league and, and everyone likes Teddy Bridgewater's story we all know that injury kind of you know derailed his career but he's came back and he's been a serviceable solid Starter, but he's more of just the backup caliber type of guy. But, you know, Alvin Kamara, Michael Thomas, they've got a good offensive line. They've got a great defense that just shut down the Bucs, who just scored 55 points. That was an opportunity for the Buccaneers to kind of beat the Saints where they're while they're weaker. Weak, you know, weaker. They could have tied the Saints in record with 3-2 and two, at 3-2. and two. And it was a chance for the Buccaneers to go and beat back-to-back good defenses and very good teams. They didn't score 55 points, which is not what we expected, but they didn't look that good. And Jameis Winston just all over the map right now. It's like, can we trust him? Can you know? Can we not? Mike Evans didn't even get a catch. He didn't get any zero fantasy points, dropped the, dropped the zero bomb. And Shaquille Barrett really couldn't get to the quarterback, and he's been a defensive player of the year candidate. The Saints really did a good job of taking out the Bucks' top option. Shaquille Barrett on defense, their best defensive player. They took him out. Double teams. Mike Evans, they took him out as well. Marshawn Lattimore uh, did a really good job. Sunday Night Football, the Colts pulling up the upset on the Chiefs, 19-13. to It is time we put respect on Frank Reich. Reich, Reich I don't even know how to say his last name. Frank Reich's name. Okay. I don't know how to say his last name, but I know he des- deserves respect. This Colts team was 1-5 to start the year last season, and he rallied them all together and brought them back into the playoff hunt and ultimately into the playoffs where they finished with a 10-6 and record and they lost in the second round. But they made it out of the wild card round. The fact that they started 1-5 and, and went to the second round, they lost to the Chiefs. 
okay? That's a tough Chiefs team, but they got their revenge tonight in Kansas City. The Indianapolis Colts offense didn't look great. They only scored 19 points against the Chiefs defense, but they beat the Chiefs. With defense. They're the defense of their own. Frank Reich deserves respect. Matt Eberfluss deserves respect. He's their defensive coordinator. You shut Patrick Mahomes down. They pressured Patrick Mahomes. They took away his options, which right now aren't great. I know Sammy Watkins is banged up. Tyree Kill's out. I get it all. Pringle, Mr. Pringle was the only one to score. I get it. Patrick Mahomes' options are limited, but he's still Patrick Mahomes, and that's still a high-powered offense. And you shut them down to 13 points. Mahomes got off to a great start, but then you limited them in the second half. They went into kind of the locker room and said, all right, we've done a solid job with Mahomes. We can do better. And they did much better. They put the hammer down. The Colts showed they're a real team. That is a huge win for the Colts because last week they lost to the Raiders and teams started to shy away. Like These past two weeks haven't been great. I, I'm going to head out. And then... They beat the Chiefs, so you know people are starting to get back on and start believing in this team. Then last game, Monday Night Football, 49ers destroy the Browns, 31 to 13. I think it's time to say the 49ers are for real, and we should at least believe they're at least in the playoff contention. I don't think the 49ers are any Super Bowl contending team. I could potentially see them going to the Super Bowl, but I just highly doubt it. But they're four and zero now. They're bye week. Yes, they have the early bye week. That's always bad for a team, but Jimmy Garoppolo didn't even look that good in this game, but here's what the 49ers did do right. Kyle Shanahan ran some great plays. They looked really smooth. Their running game, their running game was what really carried them in this game. Tevin Coleman scored a touchdown. Matt Breida wasn't a lot of most start, but Breida and, um, Breida and, Tevin Coleman looked really good, and Jimmy G didn't even look that great, but he didn't pass the ball a lot either. They just ran the ball really well. They shut the Browns down defensively. I mean, offensively. They shut down the Browns' offense with their defense. Nick Bosa was awesome in this game. He was all over Baker Mayfield all night, got his revenge from college. Overall, the 49ers looked amazing. For the Browns, on the other hand, it's time to panic, right? That Ravens game, I was like skeptical skeptical because the Ravens overall looked discombobulated as a defense, and Nick Chubb seemed to really just tear them apart. Baker Mayfield didn't even look that great. But oh, you know, I feel like they're starting to get some friction. You know, Baker Mayfield, OBJ is starting to be, you know, just friction with all these big egos. The Browns defense has been disappointing as well. It's time to press the panic button in Cleveland and in San Francisco. It's time to start believing. That is my uh, complete week three review. Uh, not week three. Jeez. Week five review from every uh, NFL game. My biggest takeaways. So now I'm going to get to the Bruins. First three games of the season. So let's get to that. All right. So the Bruins off to an impressive 3-0 start. Uh, this is a team that I predicted would be kind of regress. I wouldn't say regress. But have a similar season to the Red Sox and the Celtics, in a sense, where they have a very good season, high expectations, the next season kind of disappoint. Except not to the Red Sox or uh, Celtics' extent. I still have them being third in the division, fourth in the conference. This team's got a lot of talent. The window's starting to close on guys like Patrice Bergeron, Zidane Chara, to Garask. This team still has a lot of talent, and they're off the 3-0 start. They beat the Stars, beat the Coyotes. And those are games that you kind of already know about. I want to mostly focus on this Vegas game. 
where they went four to three against the Vegas Golden Knights in Vegas, which is usually a tough place to play and win. But the Bruins came out and won despite their uh, 2-0 deficit. This game, I mean, mostly was just led by the first line. The first goal even just, they, they, they kind of got it going and it was just kind of took off from there. I thought the Bruins, the forecheck was amazing. It led to that first goal. Bergeron and Marchand had a great forecheck. And then that set up the Pasternak goal. And they hit Pasternak in the front of the net. Easy goal. Then, I thought, let's just play physical brand of hockey. And that's what I think the Bruins did. I think they played a, I wouldn't say a physical brand exactly. I think there was finesse in there as well. But they checked well. I thought they did. Their forecheck was good. They they checked well. They got a lot of pucks in Vegas's end. And I thought they kind of broke out some good breakaway opportunities. Not a lot of breakaway opportunities necessarily, but they kind of created opportunities and got it out of their zone and kind of broke broke up some momentum from Vegas, I guess you could say. Where the Bruins would kind of have it in their own zone. They kind of break out really well and kind of get it into Vegas' zone. And that's kind of what led to them getting it down down ice so well. Getting it into Vegas' zone and getting a lot of that zone time that they got. The Bruins, when I remember last year, was just them being really good on special teams. And I haven't seen that dominance yet. But I that's the big thing to me. That special teams is power play penalty kill. And that can be big. That's, I think, sp- special teams in hockey is a little more than football. But, like, Bill Belichick pays attention to detail. That's what the Bruins do. They practice it a lot, the power play and penalty kill. I'm yet to see it because it's early. It's a young season here, 3-0-0, three games in. But I really want to see, I'm intrigued to see, if this Bruins team can continue to stay dominant on special teams. Because if they can do that, I mean, this is going to be a good season. This is going to be a good season. I haven't really seen it yet. I also want to see, I think the defense has been good. I think the blue line's been good. I thought Rask has been solid. I think Rask has cooled down from his playoff run, but he's been solid so far too. There's not a whole lot of takeaways I can really say here. I don't think the Bruins have looked dominating. They've won each game by one goal. They won, what, 3-2 to two or 2-1 two to one against the Stars, 1-0 to nothing against the Coyotes, 4-3 to three against the Knights. Three wins, and there's a three-goal you know goal d- difference, one-goal difference in every game. So the Bruins have looked good. I want to see that dominance on special teams, and I want to see them... I, I can't really complain. You're 3-0-0, but maybe get a win where you win by, you know, two or three goals. I like these close games. I do, but just to kind of, you know... I wouldn't say gain confidence. I, I I just, I don't know what to say. But these games kind of leave you a little uneasy as well. I mean, it's 3-0-0. You win each proves that you can win these close games, but kind of get that comfortable when people say, oh, yeah, we easily handled them. I, I don't think we can say that about the Stars game, the Coyotes game, or the Knights game so far. And that's all I really have to say. I know this was a quick five-minute segment, but there's not. it's a young season. I can't really take too much away. Because usually what I do, like the Red Sox or the Bruins, one of these things where, you know, they play every day kind of thing. And the Celtics can't necessarily say it with the Patriots or whatnot. But I kind of sit there and say, well, lately they've struggled. Now they kind of, you know, they're being inconsistent. Or it's a, it's a young season three games in. 
So there's not a whole lot to really take away so far, but I think the Bruins have looked good. But again, will they continue to stay dominant on special teams? I think it's going to matter a lot. So we're going to have to keep an eye on this Bruins team. Thank you guys for listening. Again, I, I wouldn't say a short episode today. 45 minutes isn't bad, but uh, that's all I have to say on the Bruins. Uh, again, I want to get to my NBA Top 100 list. I want to start that back up again. I, you know, I've been working on the list. Hopefully, I can have it ready for next episode. Then MLB playoffs. I want to get to that too. Just kind of stay on that consistent schedule. Try to get more of a consistent schedule. Try to get three episodes out a week. Thank you guys for listening. Go follow me on Instagram at After the Buzzer Sports Talk, all lowercase no spaces. Again, that's at After the Buzzer Sports Talk, all lowercase no spaces for sports content and podcast updates. Also, go call in on the Anchor Mobile app with any questions, takes, anything you disagree with me on, anything you want to get to. Thank you guys for listening, and I hope to see you guys next time. Thank you.